What's up, people? Welcome to a Music in Time podcast. My name is Osagi Alunge. On this episode, we're breaking down Whiskey's 2011 album, Superstar. I'm joined by a couple of good friends, and we all have interesting opinions and takes on the album. Listen through, guys. When you see me come around, I got you looking at me. The year 2011. A couple of new artists are emerging on the scene, while your very favorite artist are either dropping their last bodies of work or their most or their last most important bodies of work. In 2010, 2 Face had dropped the Unstoppable International Edition. Um, P-Square had dropped their fourth album, preparing for their fifth album. But there's this young kid with a lot of hype who drops his debut album, Whiskey. Whiskey Superstars album has become the go-to album when it comes to producing pop albums, right? Or connecting Lagos and London or becoming a blueprint for every other young artist who doesn't feel connected to pre-2010, right? In creating a body of work. This album has become one of the go-to albums when trying to define Afrobeats as a genre. It's up there. And if I dare may say, is his best body of work till date. We're talking about Whiskey's Superstar album. My name is Usagi Alunge. I'm here with very, very good friends. Motolani Alake, currently senior writer at Pulse. I am Tayo. He wears many hats. <laughs> uh, well, right now he's an editor at uh, senior editor at Opera News. And I have with us somebody from the industry here. <laughs> Yeah, you, you are an industry person now. Shagun Akonde, who currently works at Maven and um, heads their content team. It's a Music in Time podcast, guys. How are you guys doing? We're good. Good, 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 good. So let me ask, what was the temperature of the industry like in 2010 pre-Superstar? What was the industry like, Ayo? Pre-Superstar, we still had like, it was a it was a flurry of activities. We had the big boys still doing that thing. Two-Face, like you said, Two-Face had made a comeback. That a lot of Nigerians loved. The band was the band at this time. When the call had dropped one of the greatest albums our generation will ever hear. Peace Square was still on top of the game. They're ruling Alaba. But still, you could feel like something else was about to happen and we didn't know what it was. And during this whole flux of you know activities and everything, there's a young boy called Whiskey. Now, if you, if you can remember, Whiskey featured on MI's classic debut album. On the track, on the track, fast, uh, fast money, fast cars, and he started popping here and there, and he began to operate within a pocket of oh, he's the next one to come out of the gate, and he was signed to EME at that time. I know Banky was was one of the new newbies around, and there was this anticipation for Whiskey. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do. Um, prior to this, you know, when Nigerian acts were making music, they were just making music for the whole the whole nation. Wiz was probably one of the first, like, say, you know what, I'm making it for the young generation. The teenagers down. So there was that buzz. He now brought in their own activity to the music scene. And that's what Wizkid used to build himself. But before his album, he was just that next guy. You could see that this was the person they were passing the baton to next. And there was some more buzz and anticipation for him. So Wizkid, as an artist, right, had built, started to build your reputation for himself ever since he had featured on MI's first album. Yeah. Um, talk, talk about it. Yeah. Fast Money, Fast Cars. 
And, you know, that song really stood out on M's album. In yes. fact, it, it stood out, you know, it's in such an odd way because we had never also heard M.I. sort of rap in that nature. I think the yes. beat, it was, it was a trap beat. Yeah, M.I. hadn't done a, a trap record before. Yeah. Kraft produced it. Yeah. Kraft is known for producing very... Hip-hop beats. You know, boom-bap beats. Yeah. Yeah. So Kraft produced a trap beat. Then, you know, there's this young whisk. So if you were in the industry at the time, you knew this guy who, you know, Niori had um, introduced to an upcoming Osage who was managing Kel at the time, right? And so, uh, not to be mistaken with me. Yes, the other Osage. <laughs> you know, shout out to Osage. And, and, and so we, we used to see this guy hang around Kel a lot, right? And hit up a lot of studios. He had also featured on Terry the Rapman's The Joe Spazen Mixtape, yes. you yeah. know? Around 2008 or 2009. 2009. 2009, 2009 right? 10. 10. 10. 10. Oh, it was 10. 10. It was 10. No, no. 10 was when he dropped his album. Sorry, 10 was no, boys are not smiling. So, Joe Spazin was between 2008 and 2009, you know, recording it. And he had put him on the album. You know, he had put a a couple of other young boys on the album. Skills, Feco, and and, and Co. So, Wiz was, Wiz, if you were going to do the next rated, Wiz was on the list of these are the next set of guys. Yeah. So EME picks this guy or picks skills up as well. Banky is has dropped his first album and is working on his second album and puts him on a record. Back up your tanker, produced by <laughs> yes. K Solo, right? Yes. Yeah. On the record and okay, so we know this guy is there. But I think the beautiful thing about it is they started to you know intentionally craft an image. And a sound for Whiskey, right? By after he was signed to EME, and he all started from Holla at Your Boy, mm. right? Yeah. Should we listen to Holla at Your Boy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well. When you see me come around, I got you looking at me. I don't need to spend my cash. Cause my swag don't lie, you can't deny, you feel it right, yeah. You'll be alright, just being by my side. No need for fronting, fronting, girl. Let me tell you something, something, girl. No need for long thing, just your close up, just standing by my side. No need for fronting, fronting, girl. Let me tell you something, something, girl. No need for long thing, just your feel so good, just standing by my side. Interestingly, Holla Out Your Boy was released as a single January 2010. Yes. I think it had come out and leaked, not leaked, but it had been, you know, unofficially released. 2009. Yeah, 2009. 2009, yes. 2009 you the know. Other yeah. Different from this one. Different from this, and you already had... The one produced by Timmy Yeah, Nighthouse. Yes. Um, and you already started to see the buzz and everything, but I think it was the video of this song that kind of gave us yes. the image and said, okay, this guy, high school vibes cater to like very young people. It was very, very intentional. Shagun, what, where, where were you in 2009, 2010? And when Wizzy dropped, so you know, um, his first singles, what did you think? Listening to the song again just brought back like a flood of memories. This was a period when a lot of people were just moving beyond like <clears throat> primary social platforms like Facebook. A lot of us were just joining Twitter. We're just like building communities outside the original ones we have found. So there was a sense of there's this kid. If you were in the know around that period, it was almost like a sense of like, this guy is going to do it regardless of whether people support him or not. But the mass audience didn't really get that kind of vibe. And 
I remember the day the video dropped, my younger siblings just returned from school. And they literally called me from inside the house and said, yo, Whiskey's video is on TV. And he had a sense of like, it's like a, a new president's first speech. It's like everybody knows this guy is going to do something, but this is us seeing evidence of it. And another thing that was interesting to me then was there was the pressure to kind of package ways as, this was way before artist development was a thing. Mm. So he came out with all these- In Nigeria. Yeah, in Nigeria. He came out with all these like banking collaborations and people felt in a sense that he had been fast-tracked to success. But I think it was imperative on um, EME and they did a fantastic job in kind of turning him back to the beginning in starting that narrative. And the decision to just use that high school vibe for the video was fantastic because they froze it in time. It was he had a lot of the people that he grew up with as an artist. Yeah, the Ice Prince, the, the Prince, had yeah. skills, had yeah. a young Esa Sika. And these are names that you mentioned now, and it's just like they achieved so much for themselves. But they froze that era. They made him part of something. It was like this boy is at the forefront of everything. Yeah, and even down to the dance styles, they were jerking. You know, everything that was popping in that period. Sup- yeah. Supras, yeah. bicycles. Something that even reflected in the cover of the album, the, which is I'm a keep Shamba- I'm a keep keep no, shirts. Casio G Shocks and Shambala Shambala we live in Nigeria and yeah. we were turning our snapbacks up. Yes. Like it was defeating the purpose, but everybody wanted to be like Whiskey. And that was just it was I remember where I was and it was like, okay, this thing was going to happen. This is the beginning. That was what that video was. That was what the song was for us. Fantastic idea because it was also, I'm going to talk about it from the, there was a show in 2010. I think Sasha, Emma um, Baga, Obi Asika were on MTV base and Sasha was talking about Whiskey. They named him the king of the new school. I'll never forget it. Mm. Sasha said something like, Whiskey is this kid that you want to take out and buy ice cream and say, go and sit down there. Because it's, so, it's just so cool and handsome. Everybody wants to be like him. Yeah. Now, last year, Rexy was saying something. He said, 2011, everybody wanted to sing like Whiskey. He was 21 at the time. It was coming off an era where the golden generation of hip-hop had just ended. When the cool had dropped something. We had seen CV and the entertainer. But Whiskey was coming into an era where when the cool had a blip in time. Everybody needed a pop king. Mm. Who is this guy going to be? Everybody knew he, he was coming. He had dropped All At Your Boy. He was on Molo Nani. In December 2010, when Sam Clef dropped his album, he was on Nani Lizen, which he killed, by the way. So people knew he was coming. There was a, there was a huge build-up. There was a huge build-up. Yeah. And the branding was on point. Huge anticipation. Yeah. So it was amazing. I don't think we have ever seen anything like that. I don't think we're ever going to see it. Maybe with Rema. But the f- Rema is the only person like that now. The thing about Whiskey is that from Holla at Your Boy to when he dropped his album, there was a change in him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're going yes. to yeah. get there. Yes. We're going to get there. Sort of I, I just want to, I, uh, I want to pick on child kid stars. Mm. Pre-Whiskey, who were the kid stars? Of course, we can't forget... Uh, What's, oh, I forgot her name now. Are you going far Just, back as the 90s? Just in Jagged. Oh, you went yes. far back. <laughs> yes. We had to, we had to. <laughs> okay, so if we're, we're, we're coming from the 90s now. There was Toast in Jagged. Chichi of, of Africa. Africa. Yes. And I think there was, was like... There a, was Benita, who was in the gospel thing. Kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, but it was always like kitty kitty, but teen star. Uh, so it was Mo Cheddar. 
there was much so yeah around the same time as yeah so i think it, i think before no, around the same time it was but she was she was before 2011 she's got she's got a hit before wiz yeah yeah wiz was in, on wiz was on um um okay fast money, money fast cars, cars. Yeah. and but then she was on um fast, the finest but, but let, let's See. put it in perspective right yeah. she in 2010 won the mobile award for best female african yeah, artist she was mama won a mama award for yeah. best female african artist yeah. she was way ahead no, she won best new artist okay best yeah. new artist and so so you 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 wouldn't even put her in the same space at the time probably yeah. the know? same era as yeah. it, like as a construct like time. yeah so it was always like was oh if we yeah. for the guys it was chera mochera for the girls yeah. so it was like yeah Yeah. People were even pitching them together to date or something. Yeah. So it's like the dynamics era mm-hmm. where they were those the dynamics yeah. era. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and so and so you could just see that this kid was going to do something really big. You know, he had he had been on all the features, like you know, um, you mentioned, and you could tell that for for once there was a new there was a new opening in the space. Yeah, and he was probably going to take it, but like Ayo mentioned. We started to see a journey. So Holla Your Boy officially drops in January 2010 and in April a song called Tease Me Bad Guys. Yes. Mm. Yes. And who yeah, remember? It was very I remember that night. It <laughs> back then when Nobody just started 360 knobs. They were the first to get it. Yeah. So yo they just they're in the studio and this just dropped this and we just had to take it from the producer and put it out. I listened to it I was like fam. You see back then a lot of Nigerian artists were doing the freestyle thing, right? Well, Wiz was the first to come out and say, "Look, I do freestyles and it's an official single. I don't care what you guys are saying." And he did that song. That song is actually two songs if you listen to it. Yeah. Yes. In fact, they were singing about the girl and they were not hailing these guys on the street. Yes. They were like the big boys back then. And I just listened to this kid and like, "Bro, this boy is onto something." And I think that's like he's he's kind of taking that and used it like so many times. He has morphed, he has perfected it. Where, you know, he He, he just goes into um i hate to use this word but hey vibe, yeah, <laughs> vibe. you know and he, he starts singing right and dropping these melodies but these melodies could very well be bridges or hooks they feel like drafts yeah but he then morphs it and merges like two or three together and some part become a hook some part become a verse some part become a bridge and then it becomes one song and there are so many songs from whiskey that you can count like that and i think you know while you know some can say well, why is he arranging it like that i think it's like a special kind of talent because you don't have a lot of people who can do that yes you know yeah. um um i've always mentioned people like two phase burner boy and wandeko being able to jump on any kind of song or any yes. kind of genre yes. and flip it around yes. but what, what whiskey does is he just takes melodies and, and constructs them into verses and hooks pockets yeah. of melodies those are just brilliant yeah let's listen to tease me bad guys yeah I love your swag and I love your demo simple yeah 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 no one can taste cause you're the best you made the girls feel a taste I'm so obsessed just to see your face I can't go to space girl come on girl no delay I know you can't feel my pain girl come on girl no delay just please me tease me tease me tease me baby So tease me, bad guys drops. Every record, 
video then drops. It shocks everybody. This is Bruce Kid, lovey dovey guy, young kid, kid star. In the video, shot and directed by Kemi Adesiba. Whiskey finds himself in a strip club. In a strip club, wearing a suit. And let's not forget, this was the beginning of the strip club culture in Nigeria. Yes. yes. So it was still shocking to many Nigerians the idea of a strip club. And you, you put know. the boy next door, the boy wonder, yeah. in a strip club. Hey. With you know lots of women around, he's the only one in the yeah, video. The only one. I mean, so he's the only one in the strip club. Yeah. I mean, only guy in the strip club. And the video sends a lot of shock waves. I remember you know going to not just okay. <laughs> when the video was published and just going through the comment section. Over a hundred, probably like 500 comments. I can't remember. But people were going back, back and, and forth. forth. Back and forth. And this went on for days. You know? And people were conflicted. You know? A large part of the people, you know, people chatting and commenting were asking, why are you doing this? Why are you exposing this young boy to this? What kind of message are you putting out there you know, to the fans of this young boy. This boy has a lot of young fans who are guys, young fans who are girls. By putting this kind of message out, what do these young people, what are you teaching? You know, so we went into that whole, and the question was around morality. Like, yeah. is, it, is it, you know, how morally, you know, uh, you know, yeah. are people morally mm. bankrupt? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and the whole question went there. Yeah. But I kind of looked at it from another angle. And I looked at it at EME. And if you watch the video clearly, right, it's a conversation. The video starts with a conversation, right? There's a text message. And I, I believe it's Banky, right? Yes. He's having a conversation with, with, um, with, with, yeah. with his birthday. Like, his happy birthday, birthday yeah. say, hey, man, we've got a gift for you. Yeah. So the message in the video for me was, and I think a, a lot of people just skipped that and yes. went into his moral or whatever. Metro signal. Is, well, I mean, in yeah. 2020, that's what we call that's it That's what now. we call it now. <laughs> and, and, and so, for me, it was, EME has approved this. Not by signing off on the video and saying, hey, shoot this video. But the message was all, also there in the music video saying, this is what we want. It's time to be sex symbol, boy. Do you understand? This is what we want for our guy. We're, we're, we're trying to tell you that, yes, this is what we want. We are not. He's not a kid star. And I think it was a very smart move because they had to open the target audience. Sharply. You know, who had the buying power? Who are, who are the people in the agencies that sign off on this kid? Yes. They started to make him... What's the lighter version of sex symbol? Because I, I don't want to call him a sex symbol. Yeah, a heart throb. It's in a throb. Sex symbol lights. Yeah. Sex symbol lights. Yeah. Lights. And it worked. One time, Justin Bieber. It mm. worked. Yes. It worked. What were you guys' thoughts on this? Tolani? Um, at the time, it was also around the time that Justin Bieber was kind of coming up because a lot of people did not understand the concept of branding at the time. But Banky W is a genius, A&R, and he also understands branding. After All Archer Boy dropped with the video and the setting of the video, they needed something to help Whiskey transcend the level of the teenage market, primary market that he had to be able to appeal to a larger market. A lot of Nigerians did not understand it because Nigerians are very, very closed-minded when it comes to certain things. And they, they didn't realize that people that Whiskey was singing for were probably even going to strip clubs anyway. So it doesn't even matter. It didn't even matter at the time. So that set Whiskey up for the next single, which was the next song that kind of came before the album, which was kind of Giddy Girl. 
So it sort of changed his life, basically. That was all it was. Do you also think it was it was also from like a music point, right? If I put a video out and imagine a video in an alternate world, right, of of tease me bad guys, and he's probably in his colorful clothes walking with a girl down the road, right? Do you think, you know, as a DJ, I'm enthused to play that song in the club? No. Yeah, you can. Well, if, if it's that sound, if it's on this vibe. Well, you have to listen to the song. Yes. Or the other half of the song, you're shouting his bad guys. And yes. he was already showing that Wiz was becoming street aware. Or he has always been straight away, but now he's deciding to come out. He was literally saying, I, I know bad guys. I know bad yeah, guys. But yeah. that it was also shout, shouting at celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. His celebrity friends. Yes. Who were, who were the, who actually, his guys? It was very deliberate because yes. this is a kid coming from a video where he was in secondary school. Yes. Yeah. Supposedly. High school, yeah. Yeah. To shouting out LD as his guy. Yes. Sam Claire. So it's, it's a very mental thing. It's like, this guy came across to you as this wonder kid and no matter how much you appreciate the music, he's still a kid. And then he goes to being this guy in the video with all these vixens or the strippers and then he's saying, you. I think that scene was where it was by a pool or something. Yes. Yeah. And, and he had, out. everybody shouted out, he had them in the video. Yes. Because everybody knew this was the next guy. <laughs> so it was basically them elevating his brand from, okay, this is, it's, it's taking him from a, from a B-list and just on the cusp of it. I mean, sweet, Tuffy, Justin Bieber to Justin Bieber now. Justin Bieber, I can hit up Migos on the phone. I can hit up like mm. big guys. And it, it kind of just, like what you said, it set up the rest of the, the, the music and what they did with the album. Because he, he now came off as, he could take big punches. Like he could swing for like, And he was taking big risks. He was yes. taking bigger risks every single time he dropped the record. So like, that, that, that track, everything about that track was just so wonderfully strategic. And they pulled it off so well. But you know the track that was so strategic that I don't think EM even caught it. They didn't understand what was that track on that track. I knew this track. Know was, know was Don't Do. Yes. Yep. Don't and, that was, do. and that's what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Don't Do dropped in December 2010. Yeah. Right? And you need, a, you need a street record. Yes. You know, so he's done very well. People love him. His, his record is being played in the club. He's going for shows and doing all that. But you need a street record. And Don't Do, you know... Mm-hmm. Let's before we play Don't Door, can we talk about uh, Whiskey's relationship with Sam Clef? Yes. It was it was it was a dynamic. It was one to one to like in football, one to yes. pass. It was so hungry, guys. Sam Clef needed that. Sam Clef had been killing it. He did Simi's first album. Everybody yes. he was talented, everybody knew him. He worked with Durella, but he just needed a break and Wiz understood him. So Sam Clef would drop the beats, which were very, very those were the hottest beats around then. They represented the sound at that time, internationally and locally. And Sam Clef was giving it to him and Wiz was just eating it up. There's another thing about Sam Clef that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Aside the fact that he produced gospel for Semi. Coming into 2010, 2000, he produced the configurator for Drill at that same year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Then there was a particular sound that Sam Clef bought into that era that a lot of people don't like talking about. Mm. So on t- in 2008, when Don Jazzy produced, 2009, when Don Jazzy, when Wandeko produ- dropped his album, there was a song on it. I know you like it. I know mm-hmm. you like the way. So the, it was a pop sound. So they flipped it and added snares. So it was a, it was a Euro dance song, basically. And then imagine adding, dum, 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 and then adding, I like I like when Tolani goes so on. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that is what <laughs> <laughs> so when um this guy jumped jumped on it after that was just like for implication with two two face. But when Sam Clef came back with that sound, he took it and owned it. Mm. Nobody realizes that. 
Nobody wants to give him credit for that. And and I mean, and Sam Cliff was an artist as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he was he was producing and was, he was, was also being an artist. He dropped yeah. an album and all that. Um, but the dynamic, right? How how easy how easy was it for why was it so easy for 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 Whiskey and Sam Cliff to have such a beautiful partnership or relationship? You know, when you look at Sam Cliff and Whiskey, you start to think of Don Jazzy and the band, you start yeah. to think of OJB and Two Face, you know, seamless partnership where it's so easy. Why was that so? Um, for me, I think there's there's a there's a social element besides just the music. There's something where like you need to connect as individuals before it reflects in the music. A lot of what um Wiz was doing around then, and I think I was discussing it with Tony a few days ago. I can't remember. This guy was don't forget, he was working with everybody. Like, Wiz had access to any beats he wanted because people were shopping stuff. They were throwing in beats. Everybody wanted yeah. him on the record. He was, he was also a studio rat. He was everywhere. Yes. He, he wasn't leaving the studio. He was, yes. in, he was with Nighthouse. He was with everybody. Yes. If you look at the production sheet on, 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 on the album, everybody was in it. From E. Kelly to Sam Clef to, 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 to Sheezy. Yeah. To yeah. Slick. Yeah. Ma- so, yeah. I, I feel like um, initially, and there's this period where for every artist, regardless of how talented you are, you need to find your sound. I feel I, I don't know what happened in that period, but I feel like Sam Clef was the one person you could go back to that was like a safe space to find the sound. Mm-hmm. And experiment with experiment. And, and when they clicked, when they realized what they had, what they had created, they, just they did more to double down on Yeah. It. They did more and, more and I think they took a lot of risks at all. Yeah. yeah. Because some of the sounds that Sam Clef produced for whiskey, they only produced them for whiskey, nobody else. That's very true. Yes. That's very true. That's very true. Let's listen to Dundo. Say you sitting in the corner. You're in Dutchie and Gabbana. I want boys done harmer. Vivieri no Prada. Say you sitting in the corner. You're in Dutchie and Gabbana. I want boys done harmer. Vivieri no Prada. Say you sitting in the corner. You're in Dutchie and Gabbana. I want boys done harmer. Vivieri no Prada. Oh, yeah, I ask your mommy. I want it. The money too much with dash gun. But what they say they rascal. gun. Now who do this be? Sam Clef not need. Now who make him here? Weezy not need. Chilling with my guy. Piper not need. And we keeping it real. Oh yeah, come on, let my joe love me my love. Let's talk about how these songs, these singles, pre-Superstar album dropping were released. Like we just said, they were dropped like Lucy's. Yes. Do they even have official cover arts? No, no. only Tease Me and Ola Boy had cover arts. I think I think I remember Ola Boy having a cover yes. art. But Tease Me did. Tease Me? Okay. Yeah. So so the thing about Don Doll is that even when it came out, a lot of people were like, yo, what is this sound? Like, it didn't catch on immediately. It was, yeah. You had to play it over and over yes. again. It was a very revolutionary record. And even I think one of the theories that you know, you know, we've always said that oh, during the during the beginning of this decade, you know, English rappers in Nigeria started the market share started reducing. Yes, thanks to indigenous rappers, yes. or not thanks to them anyway. I also feel that at that point, Nigerian pop stars were beginning to encroach in the space of Nigerian rappers, English rappers. Yeah, a record mm. like Dondo, and that is God. 
Hmm. Bruh. They started hmm. taking the edge that rappers were supposed to have and hmm. they're putting it in their records. And that's what hmm. Don't Doll is. Don't Doll is this track, bro. And that's why I'm not surprised that Labour were not Labour was not too enthusiastic in you know this dropping it because they didn't understand. But the track, if you tell me top five tracks for Whiskey, that has to be it's one of the biggest risk it took. And he just finally brought that sound and the streets together and just locked it up yes. finally. Yes. And I do agree with what you say when you say, you know, they started to take the market share from rappers. Yes. It's okay. I think in general, in hip hop artists in general, I have a whole theory how of how Davido, Whiskey, Mayokun, Kiss Daniel are actually behave more as hip hop artists. Mayokun yes. rapper. Mayokun rapper. He's moving like they a have, rapper these days. He, have, writes, he writes like a rapper making a pop song. They, they His have, next album is going to be amazing. They have posse cuts. Yes. They have the crews. Their yes. videos look like hip hop videos. You know, but it's the whole theory, and I don't want. There's one thing. Okay, there's one thing I did one day. I just muted my television and I watched Biscuit and Davido's videos. You yeah. actually think they're rappers? Yeah. Hmm. Without the music, you it's actually the think they're rappers. Thing. Yes. The whole exactly. the whole click behind them, it's, it's that's it. And if you listen to Don Doll, it's a street record that you know one Banga. of your biggest artists who are indigenous rappers now would make. Yes. Yeah, def, you know? And def. then he opened it with rap. Hmm. Interesting. She's sitting in the corner. So the album drops. Right, mm. and it's a landmark album. True. I remember going for the album con, uh, the album launch, launch at the Co Hotel. It was I think it was one of the first, first. Peace was Peace was the first, but, but that was Peace dropped in Peace dropped after Peace no, Who had a concert first? Was it Peace Square dropped in August? 2011, which was the Invasion album. Yeah, I think that's so it was a, that was also very big. Yeah. But Whiskey had dropped in June. Okay, okay. And I remember going, I, th- I think that's the first, my, at least my first big album launch, yeah. you know, um, um, concert that was done at Echo Hotel. That's what, that's what I think that started, yeah. Which then became the staple place for, you album know, launches. album launches and all that. But I mean, um, the Sound City Music Video Awards 2010 had happened there as well. Yeah. But I remember just walking in and seeing, you know, Whiskey on stage performing to, like, really young, and this was the first time I saw, like, really young kids, 16, 17, 15, they were all in attendance, then you had the 19, 20, 21s, all in attendance, then you had the 20s. 21s to the, you know, late 20s, all in attendance, and I looked at it, and I said, this guy has this industry. Unlock. He has, he has, it, in, not it, unlock, on chokehold. <laughs> Because, you know, because it was well, the, the audience set represented, you know, the buying markets. And that was what they were yeah. achieving with the singles. Yeah. yeah. And you know, back then, they were, they were not like streaming back then. So yes. you had to go get the CD. And you had to buy the back, CD. Back then, when you, I, you could probably buy it on iTunes. Yeah, well, but that was like very, very small Back market. then, when the albums dropped, you had to go out and go and get the CD. So it was like a, a moment. Like, yes. God damn, I have, I have the new whiskey CD. And, and people were like tweeting. Every, yes. Everybody had... the few projects that I can really remember, like, People knowing that this project was going to drop. drop. And it wasn't like an industry, like a music head thing. People no, just everybody like, knew when you were going to drop. Shout out to where we were. <laughs> the album like, imagine like a small town in the Southwest and like random niggas, like just like, yo, Whiskey's album is dropping. Today. And we had to take like 79 bus wow, to, the, to town to, to go and buy the album. To get the album. Yes. And I came back from class and I'm like, yo, I have to go and get this Whiskey album. And my guy is like, ah, boys don't go buy on Yes, no. I will literally turn down the generator, act ourselves in Sit down. And listen. Listen. That was the first risky day. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but they think we are not whiskey FC anymore. But they are whiskey FC. They never get. They have not been promoted. There's a relegation. Considering how much like limited range of space they had, or like digital marketing, all these yeah. things that we have now, to yeah. create a moment like yeah. that, a buzz. Crazy, man. It was so heavy that Banky was telling his friends, "Don't ask me for free tickets. Just buy the ticket. Like hmm. we are not doing. It was packed. Everybody had to be there. It was. A, it was a huge deal. Yeah. It was a huge deal. Let's now really talk about the album and the theme of the album. I like to look at the theme of the album as grass to grace, but having fun at it. The messaging on most of the tracks is representative of a young boy who wants to who has dreams and is aspiring and has hit some of those dreams, right? But still reflects and looks back to where he's coming from. Yeah. But all through the time, he's having fun at it. Mm. What do you guys think? What's what's the theme of the album to you guys? For me, I'll say is it doubled down on Wandeko's hedonism, pleasure, like let's just part. Like our generation, you know, we, we, know, we turn a blind eye to the problems of Nigeria and just want to have a good time. Wandeko did that. You know, he had a, a couple of conscious records on that album. But we came and doubled down on that, like, guys, let's party. And he was also ambitious. Like, one of the greatest lines anybody will say in this generation is, Ojolek Bashita, ask my sister, my music travels no visa. He was putting something out in the air that, bro, this shit is going to crack the world. And many people didn't know that. All of us just, my music travels no visa. Okay, he entered Ghana, he entered South Africa. No, you didn't know. We performed this song now in London, bro, shut down. Shut down. So it was like very ambitious and let's be hedonistic, let's pleasure. And obviously, it was rapping where it was coming from. That's that's it for me. I think the album is the combination of all the important albums that are soundtracked that soundtracked the Nigerian the, the past ten years in Nigerian pop music. So you are looking at Zimaya, True Story, Gongaso, M two M, C V, Entertainer, M I two. They all lead directly to this album, sonically. Because everything you want, everything you can point to in Nigerian pop music over the past 10 years, you can find it on this album. And I think, but for the messaging part, I would not necessarily say it's Grass to Grace. Grass to Grace was sort of conscious. This album is not exactly conscious. It's more reactionary in the sense that Whiskey wanted to make music that would make people dance, like Yoti said. I feel good. And feel good. However, he was saying it from his reality, mm. not necessarily from a political standpoint. Mm. Okay. So if Whiskey is making Pakuruma, for example, he's making Pakuruma in a way that he will want to listen to. If Two Face was going to make Pakuruma, Two Face is going to make Pakuruma in the sense that Nigerian politicians are attending parties. Yeah, that, so he has his own but he is hailing the politicians to come and spray money. Yeah, that was true. Go me no Wakuma was released as a single in December. Yes. That was the right single. And I think that was the single that kind of carried the album. I mean, once the album hit the market, right? Yeah. Everybody had favorite tracks. Flew by itself, and you know, I remember being in the office and you know, um we had a sister company that was an agency and you know, the girls came out and they were like, oh, I love this record. I love that record. And people were already picking, picking that record. Yeah, you yes. know, I know Love My Baby. You know, everybody was, but one record that kind of stood out was um, Wakuruma. Yeah. Such a club record. But yes. it wasn't even a club record. It was just a feel It was Nigerian folk. It, it was. Mixed with, mixed with Lamba. Yeah. yeah. And it goes to, I guess, question about thing. I think the biggest thing from this record 
was his, his ambition. Mm. See, what you said about like all the projects leading up to here. Imagine being with when you wanted to drop this album. You know everybody's rooting for you. And you couldn't you miss. You have what you Yes. You know you can't miss. So it's, it's like, why should I like ask for a slice of the cake when I can take the whole cake? Take um, everything. And he did. And he did it because a lot of those pro- those songs on that project, especially the songs produced by Jay Slick, and I'll speak on that later, were bigger than him. He jumped on the songs like Scattered the Floor, yes. the songs like Olua Loni, where yes. he yeah. was speaking with the confidence of someone that had four, yes. four albums in the bag. Yes. And even down to Pakurumo, you don't expect a kid. Because technically, it's now that we're saying Wiz Man or Wiz Boy. Wiz was a kid when he dropped this project. Literally a kid. And he's literally calling on like the governor to come and spray more. Yes. The stuff that you leave for the bigger guys, for the Kwam ones of this world, for the Pasumas of this world. But it's like, yo, why should I sing for you guys when I can sing for you? took that. He took that Fuji technique and brought yes. it into pop it's music. The, the, the range of ambition in that project and like the way it shows up in every little thing that he does, even down to the video. I don't know if it was intentional or it was subtle. He, he didn't feel like he was like, yo, let me be present in my... He was in the no. video, but he was one of the guys. Yes. But yet, you can't miss Wiz in that video. Was just there was this larger than life sense that came from that. It's, it's amazing. I think let's 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 listen to Paco Romance. The way she danced, the way she moved, just makes me wanna take her home. The way she carried that back, they make me want to carry this girl in the And I love her and I like her and I wanna take her home. So we... our sound engineer Olamide just touched on something now, and he said. All at your boy face was for the kids. Tease me, bad guys, and don't do moved into the twenties plus and Pakuruma was for Elite. The older generation. Yes, yes, and man. I think this was one of the first records where he actually started singing in Yoruba. So he kind of crossed over as well. It was brilliantly done, brilliantly executed. I again you have to give props to EME, right? They were very intentional with the videos they were shooting. Yeah. This is at a time where, you know. Music videos was the thing, right? Get yes. Clarence Peters, put him in there, shoot like high budget video, push yeah. it out on all the TV stations, yeah. you know, and get the sales going, get the shows going. That yeah. was basically the business business model. Videos were still used as a heavy marketing tool to yeah. get people to and they fall were in love. Yeah, to get get people to fall in love with the artist, to get people to you know buy the music or attend the shows. And you could see clearly from all these videos that EME was shooting, right? Or were shooting. You could see how intentional they were in positioning whiskey. Yeah. yeah. And Pakuruma video was super interesting. This is this fun guy, right? Again, storyline key. Very, very key. Yeah. Fun guy who has been booked for a show at X, but yeah. ends up at Y. Yes. Y is your Faji stroke. Um right? And ends up killing the old one bear. Yes. Which brilliant storyline crossover. Which is what yeah, Afrobeat has done. Guess who? Guess who was material in that video? Guess who was booked for the O and Bear and ended up not doing it? Yes, Pasuma. Yes. Who? So it is. You can't get Pasuma. Yes. Get this, this young guy. kid is coming here to kill it as yes. well. So you can as well get him. Yes. yes. Brilliant storyline. Shout out to Paso for keeping it real with the kids all the time. <laughs> no. Pasuma has. There's a whole podcast on Pasuma. Pasuma has <laughs> been a supporter of the next gen. Yes, there's, a, there's, a whole, there's a whole podcast from episode on the intersection of Fuji and hip hop. Yes. And Pasuma pushing the agenda. Yes. Yeah. And Ayuba. And Ayuba. Yeah, Ayuba. But Pasuma, Pasuma was the. Ayuba, you know, OJB. 
basically. Yeah, true. You know. Um, shout out to African Puff Daddy. African Puff <laughs> African Puff <laughs> So, let's go back to, I really want to go back to the theme of the album. Um, Shagun said Ambition. I say like sort of grass to grace. Yes. And which songs were the proponents of pushing this agenda? Songs like No Lily. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Songs like Olua Loni. Yes. Those were some of the songs that really pushed that agenda. Which other songs do you guys think pushed pushed the agenda? Scattered the floor. You think so? Yeah. I think Word Up. Scatter the, f- yeah. the Floor it, 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 it was a dope track. I think Scatter the Floor if it's probably my best song from the album because yeah. of the production and how <laughs> how like very pop the sound is. If I was to represent Nigeria or Africa on the global scale mm-hmm. and we were saying, have you guys done pop records that sound like what Rihanna and Chris Brown are doing? Scatter the Floor will be one of the records I'll pull out and say, listen to this. And it sounds very urgent, like it's it's forceful. It's the third, it's the third track on the record. Yes. And it has a wonderful second verse. Yeah, it does. The only the only good the only excellent second verse on the entire on the entire album. Well, anyway, but <laughs> but really good. So I mean, again, let's talk about the production of the album. I know we've mentioned some clefs in some pockets of the conversations. Mm-hmm. But the guys who were instrumental in, you know, crafting this album, Sam Clef, E. Kelly, J. Slick, obviously had about three records. Yeah. Amazing record. Mastercraft. DJ Clem. DJ Clem had record. The production. Do you think this was very intentional to craft a sound like this? Or you've done this so many songs. Let's pick the best songs and put everything in an album. What do you think the, 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 the production flow was like? I think... Because... Like, you know, um, Steve Abarico would always say, your debut album took you probably 10 years to prepare. Yeah. You've been singing it took all your songs, life. You know, you've been singing those songs in your bathroom. You've written those songs, rewritten those songs. Your debut album is a combination of everything that has brought you to that very moment. Do you think that's all it was for Whiskey or they shelved all those kind of songs and said, oh, I want you to work with XYZ. I want you to work with XYZ. What's the production? What do you think? Was the history of the production? I think a lot of this, a lot of credit for this album goes to Banky W. Um, until recently, I didn't even realize that it was the A and R Anzon guy for this album. I think looking back, we are going to say, "Oh, everything was intentional." I don't think it was. Not really. I think. Yeah, because you don't I, I think you listen to Don Don. I don't think that was intentional. I don't think it okay, was. Okay, so I got a bunch of songs. I've done about five. Sam Clef has six. Yes, production credits. Production credits in a 17-track record, yes. right? Yeah. So I have six songs with Sam Clef. Yes. I'm going to take these six songs with Sam Clef. Um, I was hooked up with Jay Slick. Yes. The label paid for the budget because Jay Slick is going to get his money. Yes. Definitely. This is... Two Babas producer. This is the same year <laughs> Jay Slick drops Only Me ah. with Two-Face. So Jay Slick, is, <laughs> Jay Slick is probably... I think he won Best Producer that year. Jay Slick is probably top three. Yeah. Right? So Jay, you, they yes. put you up with Jay Slick. Mastercraft is just coming off producing with Kenny's music. Yes. They put you on one track with Mastercraft. I think there's a heavy budget behind the production here. Yes. But I think there's a special relationship with Sam Clef. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah. So there's, there's somebody here that kind of adds a twist to the mix, and that's TJ Clem. Mm. If you look at the Clem records, they are so different from everybody. So yes. R&B, man. So you know they're very, very pre-2010. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that Night House era. Yes. That's why I think it was actually curated. I think he was curated. And this is what I think. I think um, 
hear me and Banky, you saw the schedule was playing in very different, like a lot of lanes. And it was up to them to like make a project that could capture all of that. So imagine, like what Osage said, he's in the studio almost every time with Sam Clef. So by they, they have a bunch of records on deck to select from. And then it's like, there's this thing you do where you also just pass out on records and just start going hardcore. And okay, who would fit? You need more, like bigger, more electronic production for that. Let's see Jesse Lee Cup. Then you also want to create something for the girls, something more mellow, something with, like more chill vibe. That's where the DJ Clem records come in. So you got stuff like the girl and then the rest of the stuff. Because if you listen to the songs DJ Clem produced on this record, on this album, there's a direct line between them and the songs Wiz started to do when he wanted to break into the UK. Those Dance For Me records, mm-hmm. where it was just like a lot of electronic production and it would just be spazzing, spazzing, like it was just... Just go black. Go, go black. On so I think a lot of it was... Because there's no thematic line from track A to track like 17. No. There's no, no this the entry story. There's, it's not like an Ajebota... Um, that a concept album. album. Yeah. It's, not a concept it's not a concept album. album. It was basically, these are all the links that this kid will go into in the future or it would go into. So let's let's create starting points for all of them. That's so he, I, feel. I agree with you. But here's why I think it's not... They didn't really think about it. I think what Banky... Banky, Banky knows all these producers. He knows what they are capable of. So what Banky probably did was, you have worked with Sam Clef. You have a bunch of songs with Sam Clef. Let's okay, listen, go work let's, with this guy. Let's listen to them. Okay, mm-hmm. this is good. Let's work. Go work with that guy. Go work with Mastercraft. Yeah. So after they, were done, after they were done, they then selected, they curated the best songs oh, so that, we have, could, that could explain the diversity. We have these DJ Clem records. Let's, let's put two exactly. of them there. Yeah. yeah. So let's put we, them We have six... If you listen you know, to some the Lucy's that came out after... That's what I wanted to see. Yes. It's the same producers. Thank you very much. Same guys. Basically. Mm. Aside as Zonto. Yeah, yeah, So it's basically like, okay, we want to achieve this kind of thing with this guy. Go work with this person. Thank you. And when we're mm. done, let's bring it together. Just capture everything in one project. Like a CC Nene, for example. Yeah. Mm. Yo, I, I love that. That's a record. And I, I just remember the record. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, collaborations. Let's talk about collaborations. Wande Cole is on this album, mm, right? The, the big and, w. And, and, I, and I want to, and I know we said, you know, Wiz's superstar, right? Became sort of a template. But the template before the templates, mm. right? The, temp, the, the Ten Commandments. Did, did you say it was a template? It was, it's the culmination of all those albums. Yeah. Not a template. Mm. No, but if you look at it, like, I mean, it, it then became a template for yeah. other going forward. I don't think so. Who? For whose album? Superstar. I think stylistically. The E, yeah, 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 and the delivery part. See, or sonically, probably not. We are dealing with two generations, I, I, up, you know. I, I, yeah. So I want to, I, I think the prototype, right, has to be Motion to More Hits. Yes. Yes. Definitely that, has. Is the, that is like the first, that is that like, is the that is gold the standard. That's the gold standard for any example. That, that is the gold standard, right, yeah. for everybody. Yes. But I feel, you know, once the first person did it, which was creating something after M to M to say, I like the way this album sounds. I listen to this album every day. I want to do my own album. It's called Superstar. I'm going to put bangers on it. It's going to sound like M to M. I want to even make it better. And it's just going to be bangers from head to toe. Whether it's a slow record, a fast record. fast-paced record, I want almost every track here to be singles, which is essentially what they did. They achieved And, it. and what M to M, M yes, to M is. Almost every record on Motion to More Hits can be considered a single and can fly. Slapped. Everything slapped. I kind of believe this now became the standard. Once Whiskey did it, 
Everybody now said, okay, oh boy. he did it, he's successful, I'm going to do it. The following year, David you know? did that. That's so what David, David did. Kiss Daniel, David. and every pop artist. Shantizu. Shantizu now started saying, I'm not just going to make two, three records bang. I'm going to make everything bang. And try yeah, and yeah. And try and shoot a video for everything. And, and yeah. the flip side of it is, there's a bunch of people who are trying to do it. They didn't work. They didn't work. Of course. It's not easy. Of course. It's not easy. We'll leave their names out to come and say to them. But, and, I, and I think that's it. So, but pulling it back to one, the cool now, Mushin to Mohit became the prototype. But why did Mushin to Mohit become that prototype and not the Banji's The Entertainer? Mm. If, if, uh, if we all agree, The Entertainer that's, is, that's a Harvard question. It's right just as good as M2M. If you put yes. The Entertainer and M2M, I'm not picking any of over the other. They are equally great <laughs> albums. So, why did Mushin to Mohit then become the prototype for creating pop albums? It's like the question between YBNL and Baddest Guy Ever Liveth. That's also a very tough one. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Now, those, those are Olamide's albums. Right? Yes, Olamide's yeah. albums. So, here's what I think. The Entertainer is more cohesive and the production on it is more experimental. Than on M to M, and it's kind of shorter, and it's kind of shorter. Yeah, because but with M to M, M to M brings a bunch of experiences into the Nigerian sound. So even if, for example, Belog Bebo is avant-garde, there is nothing you can't hear anything like that again. You can't hear anything like that anymore. But when Don Jazzy came came into M to M, he had calmed down. So he wanted everybody. Mm-hmm. He wanted everybody to be able to make to, to be able to listen to music that wasn't as avant-garde, was pop, and brought in all those experiences into one. So I don't think it's a situation of one album better than the other. I think it was a, it was a question of relatability and time. I think there's a sentimental element. I, I agree. And before you jump in, Shagun, I just want to say I think I've cracked it, yeah. right? And I'll say that because. You just mentioned relatability, right? Yes. I think that's the main thing. When they call appeal to very young people, yes, right? The bunch didn't oh, appeal the, to the teens. Yes. They loved him, yes. but probably not appeal. And he was to very, them he was directly. a very risky artist. You know, yes. he was yeah, brought right. a lot of sexual content into his music. So when, when because because if we don't if we if we don't go down that line, then we should be asking why didn't Doctor Seed's album, which is a banger from start to end, yes, have yes. the same impact M to M and Whiskey's album did, you'd look at it and you look at the artist and say, who was the artist appealing to? An older generation. I, so I think it was, hmm, I think it was actually the, the uh, artist it's, it, himself so, that yeah. actually sold it like that. And artistry. Artistry also has a role to play mm-hmm. in this situation. Because I wanted to say that, that you can't shout out to the band, the band is an entertainer, but when you hear one day, you know, talent fell on him. He didn't go and yes. look for music. Music yes. came to come and call him. Yeah. Yes. So you know that. But the thing we are talking about, about the thing we are saying about MTM and um, you know, um, superstar. Imagine if one day didn't have a blip and he also dropped an album to eleven. Then where would hey hey? So it's going to be like a situation of a Drake and Kendrick Lamar. So Drake had dropped. Thank me later. I mean, thank me later, right? That was thank me now. Thank me later. Thank me later. Then in 2011, Kendrick Lamar drops Section 80. 2012, Drake drops Take Care. Now, everybody's looking. Who is going to take this battle from Drake? Jaco couldn't take it with his debut. It wasn't going to happen. Everybody added Section 80. When we heard Good Kid Mad City, we knew, everybody knew Kendrick was not going to fail. Whiskey was not going to fail regardless. 
of anything. If Wandiko had dropped, Wandiko would have been successful. If Whiskey had dropped, he would have been successful. The build-up was too big for Whiskey not to have an impact to the album. It was impossible. Yeah, I think I think something we actually miss, and it's maybe it's wishful thinking. Imagine a world where one day and was were at the height of their powers, and like that trajectory just continued. I think the one of the biggest people that lost out on like the way Wandiko's career went from after Mission to Moses actually was because Wandi was the only person that could push him. Yes. That could challenge him at creatively. Time. There was no for me is for me is like it's a song that should be created in tangible form and like put on top of a mountain so kids can like when they reach a certain age just go and look. That's what two legends did because mm. there's no two people that can create that song. But they had that much like crazy energy and imagine like after Superstar dropped when they followed it with his own project. Yes, and then Wiz follows it. You know. It's two people. It's inspiring, and then it pushes you to become better. But regards to like the comparing the two of them, I think the sentimental element is a big part of it. Because I'm going to what you said about the punch. When I first said the punch, I used to hide it from my parents. <laughs> I kid you not. What is the cool, cool. nasty things? Very nasty. Like it wasn't on some like let's hide it. Like yo, this is what we are talking about. Like Tongolo. And I'm like bro, like they just chill. We like the music, but just chill. And so, one day was a kid-friendly one day, you was able to hide all that behind and really just focus on, you know... On, on that. This is a song like Ololo Fair Ultra Sala. And let's not... Sorry, let's not forget, right? One day dropped his debut album when? 2009. Wiz dropped his album? 2011. See, those two years, eh? It's it. almost like half a generation. True. Music changed drastically yes. at that point. Yeah. Like, yes. what people were wearing in 2009 was not what they were in 2011. True. Yeah. So, it, it just changed drastically. Okay, so Wandeko is on the record, The Prince is on the record, Bank is on the record, Skills is on the record. From this pattern, I also see, you know, sort of um, him paying reverence to Wandi. Yeah. Of course, Wandi had to be, Wandi is like his idol. He said it in many interviews. Yeah, so many times. A lot. He put The Prince on the record, who was just breaking out at the time, and his label made skills. Other than that, no other person on the record. Do you think that was also intentional? Very, very, very intentional. Very, very. It, it was very, very like, strategic. Why would Whiskey even because Whiskey was like two or three steps ahead of his, his peers, yes. the male singers? Yes, they tried to catch up with him. You can't, why would he be singing? Why not drop two EPs that year? Two EPs, mixtapes, they call them mixtapes at the time, mm-hmm. but a little known burner, a time. little no, yeah. known burner at the time. He had the song like Trumpet, but nobody, it was steps ahead I, 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 ahead of them. For example, Davido said it, he said, in he said it this year. He said in 2011, everybody wanted to be like Whiskey. It was too far gone. It was like four, five years, four, four, four five steps if, ahead if of the If was going to put you on his record, what would you bring to the table? Exactly. Like, what? What would you is it a hook? Is it flow? Is it melody? Like, what, what, what are you bringing? Like, what do you, you want to do? Rapper and scatter the flow. Like, what verse would you put on that? That song? would kill his own second verse. Thank you. That would kill his own second verse. No, no. Thank I you. feel like a lot of what he did was just. It was out of respect, out of regard for these guys. It wasn't like from a musical standpoint. I know he likes the Prince a lot. Him and the Prince yeah, have many yes, songs. Uh, have a good relationship with so it, might, like, it, might, it might have also been about it might have also been about um the kind of artist that could compliment Whiskey from an and our perspective. Hmm. From an and our point of view. So I don't think I think it's important. I, th- I think at the point that was the point that made Nigerian at Nigerian A and R's and label execs label execs understand the perspective of letting artists go at the music by themselves. Because since then, especially signed artists, they don't saturate albums with features anymore. Mm. 
you can see Fireboy last his last album no no features Rema three piece not a lot of features none as a matter of fact let's play scatter the floor yeah, talked about it a lot let's play jam. it and let's play the let's hear the uh, famous second verse. the famous second verse Cause I'm feeling you and the way you move And I really wanna get to know you and the things you do And I wanna take you everywhere and buy you what you choose Oh my baby girl, my love, I will buy you new shoes To dance and start party. Let's talk about the genre of this album I've seen a lot of Afropop, seen reggae, I've seen dancehall, <laughs> I've seen R&B I, I, I just like to call it a pop album It's pop, it's no, this was before they came and gave us Afrobeats as our music Afrobeats. Back then, Afrobeats Back then it was just pop music and rap music and any music on there to do in Nigeria. So this was just pop music. Fiski was a pop star. I'm in a very funny place where I feel like starting with this record, starting with Don Jazzy actually, Nigerian pop music has been genreless for a very long time. Mm. So we just put ourselves under the pressure to be like, oh, this guy is a dancehall person. This guy, it's, it's not it's not really like that. Look at this record now. There's pop tracks, there's Fuji inspired like Afro pop. Like we, we have... One of the things that Afropop and like this Nigerian artist, like Nigerian music listeners have been blessed with is that we have artists that they're not inspired by a genre. They're not people that grew up on like... So nowadays you have kids that grew up on trap and you see everything about them and it's all trap. You have kids, for instance, that there's some Yoruba that Whiskey spoke on, Bakuruma, that I still don't understand now. Yeah. You, you know why this is, right? Music generation, the 90 generation... We are caught in between two timelines, right? Exactly. Your parents, obviously, weekends, they brought out the fella, the KSAs, they obey, uh, Folk music. Oliver the Coke, you know, high life music, and you know all that. Obviously, you know Shino Peters, you know Kwamon and what happened. All of a sudden, in the mid 90s, Stayan Puff Daddy, DMX, yep. Nas, Jay Z, then you add a little bit of RB into it, and you're not beginning to make. If you listen to Nigerian pop artists, what they call Afrobeat artists, you can see all these influences in their music. Yes. You don't just listen to one thing. Yes. Especially if you were born in Lagos. If you were born in Lagos, you listen to all genres of music. You listen to Fela. You listen to Bob Marley, Lucky Dube. You've heard Pasuma. You've heard DMX, Jaru. Yep. So when you want to do your music, it's not just one lane. I think that's what makes Afrobeat or Nigerian pop music so powerful is that we can tap from everything. It's not just Afrobeat either, to be honest. It's it's every every country that has a music presence or that has a dominant genre or something that yeah, the younger yeah. generation gravitates towards is defined by decades and generations yeah. of music. For example, grime. Grime is electronic music and garage music. Yeah. Trap music is Miami drum and bass, hip hop, and crunk music merged into one. Slowed down on 85 BPM. So there's really nothing new. It's just a situation of people need to define something that is diff- that is different so as something that they can relate with. And something they can market. Yeah. That's it. You know Afrobeats was just created to market to market marketing. it. Yeah, and yeah. for but marketing purposes, you exactly. call it like an Afropop album. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, but in the real sense of it, it was this like with with this project, we started an era where our artists could go outside of the country, outside of the continent, and jump on the weirdest records. There was a period where this guy was facing backlash for just doing dancehall songs. Yes. But yeah. we forget that. Is, this kid made this record. Like, he made records where he was doing on, jumping on, like, electronic. And let's not forget that 
in Nigeria, all of a sudden, there's this whole vice cartel movement. Yes. Like Nigerians are like going crazy yes. for the dirtiest dancehall tracks. Yes. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, understand how that happens it today. Yeah. But, you know. So. And at the end of the day, to be honest, it's not the first album that we can't, that we can't define. For example, we can't define M2M either. Hmm. Yeah. You call it a pop album. Call it a pop album because a song like I never so many weird. You can't define. Or I know you like. Or my grind. My grind is a hip hop record. You bad. Yes. You bad. It's a nasty record, bro. You bad is like different eras and generations, mate. I'd say superstars and Afro pop. Let's talk about the Lagos to London connection, yeah. which is such a big thing now. You know, um, Afrobeat has become, you know, a dominant genre outside Africa, um, outside Nigeria, yeah. especially yeah. in London. Uh, we all know why, you know, a lot of Nigerians and Africans are also based there. Um, Wizkid's album sort of represents the third wave of music transcending into London and becoming that popular. I yeah. believe the first wave were in 99, 2000, Tribesmen, JJC, 419 Squad, you know, and all that. Then the second wave was um, Olumentin as a solo artist, Nices, um, you know, and, and the band, and Whiskey kind of ushered in that third wave, which brought himself, Davido, and the other guys who have then come after, after that period. Why is this album so instrumental in the third wave? This album is so instrumental because, sorry, I have to do a little bit of history lesson here. Do your thing, So, <laughs> you know how Nigeria, we enjoyed the golden 70s? Like, you know, we had so much money, we didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Then came the bad 80s, you know. Shagari messed up, oil prices went down, we had the recession, Buhari came the first time, he got kicked out, Babangida entered. This whole period was when Nigeria started leaving Nigeria. And started immigrating, they started taking their families over there. So the reason why you see Afrobeats is so big is because the kids of these people who traveled, who left Nigeria, started growing up and started needing, they wanted to find an identity. Yes, you could be British for 18 years, you could be a British person for 18 years, but at one point you know that look, I'm Nigerian. And Britain doesn't love me. You know, there's nobody black like me. So you begin to do what? There's some, there's something called the internet back then. And the internet this period, Whiskey was obviously uploading his music, the two faces and everybody. My space. And you go out there and you search. Then you begin to hear a Whiskey. And you begin to just, you know, get in touch with your base and where you are from. And that's what started the movement of Lagos to London. If you look at that whole period, it was Wiz and it was Ice Prince. Those were the two guys at the forefront of breaking into London. That's in the third wave. Yes, yes. in the third wave. And he just started multiplying there because obviously this... British Nigerians had friends who were Jamaicans, Indians, who were British also. And when they hear whiskey playing, they say, who is that? I've never heard that before. Oh, that's Wiz. And it begins to multiply. That effect begins to multiply. So it's actually from like a bad um, situation in Nigeria. That's what led to the third wave of you know, taking music over there. And God bless Whiskey and David. They didn't, the, the output, the, the pro, what they were pushing out was just too much. Yes. Like Walking in between out. two albums, they could have dropped 50 songs. Yes. Yeah. And they were just feeding that whole demand for it, and that is what has led us to where we are today. Yeah. I also, I also think. Sorry, sorry. I also, there's no, there's no way you can talk that. But I also think that a, a particular, a an important factor in the fact that it, that made second or third generation um, Af- Nigerian immigrants in the UK come back is because 
their Jamaican counterparts had a very strong connection to their backgrounds. To their homeland. So you could hear these guys talking about Bob Mali and whoever the reggae or whatever is over there. But these guys did not really have the connection to us. Don't forget that this was a period where people like Shadia Adu and some other people were exactly. not proud to be Nigerian, Nigerian anymore. And, and another British. element was, like, if you look at the, the band sets, it's, it's sad to say now, but these were guys where there was an image problem for Nigerians. Hmm. Okay. And the band was thinking about, like, swiping cards. Yes. Who was going yes. to become, like, the face of Nigerians. Yes. So these were guys who, they were connecting to the music, but there wasn't that figure, there wasn't that face yet. They couldn't wear... Yes. As a badge, you know, mm-hmm. it was hard to be proud of, you know, you being Nigeria, yeah. you know, and I think it's when it got to the third wave, it was able to push a bit of boundaries, and everybody now could claim Nigeria, and it was fancy. Well, you know, Nigeria. you know the funny thing, you know, the person who started this wave, yeah. that started this whole probably Nigerian wave in, yeah. in UK. Was actually JJC of the four nine squad. JJC on the four nine squad. I listened to that song today. That's bow. Nigeria is the best land. Yes. Started out with of Nigeria. Start rapping your country in the UK. I also think the fact and that and I, I think in that song it was also very critical. Like it was, the message was messaging on that song was very strong because yeah. at some point he also said, "Why are you trying to claim yeah, when Jambo, Jambo, yeah, yeah. yeah. which which was a thing. Yes. And, and before Bao, I think there was Atide. Yes, Atide. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was also AY, the rapper. Yes. Yes. So did, it was, yeah. there were a lot of factors, and we just, so at the end of the day, the lines fall, fall into you in pleasant places. Mm. I he think was just there to benefit from that. Okay, there's something back home that's happening. Who is the hot guy and his Wiz? And, and also, Wiz had an advantage. It's, it was actually a disadvantage in a sense because this is a kid who grew up like in. Surely. Yeah. And all of a sudden he had this whole thing fostered on him where there was a bunch of kids out there who wanted him to be like their Nigerian hero. Mm. And he didn't have any grounding in UK culture. Mm. And I think people don't comment how much he adapted, how much the yeah. space between him doing songs like Pakuruma and Dance For Me. I remember the first time I heard Dance For Me and I'm like, This this kid is gone. They didn't have the thing Burner has where Bona has this multicultural appeal. Bona has studied in London. expansive sonic palette. He's gone there, he's lived in those places, yeah. he understands the culture. We didn't have any of that. But he still did it himself. Like, he literally he just broke the boundaries. his way in, yeah. And down to fashion, like, he's doing these runway walks now, he's doing all these things. And it's easy to forget that this guy. Bro, he launched the Nigerian Walk of Jersey, bro. He had to learn these things. And he did. And shout out to him. The story was also important, for example. Mobolo was telling the Nigerians the, the story of Nigerians living there. Whiskey was telling the story of Nigerians living here. Who whose ambition is to conquer to the world, world from here? Ojolegbashita. Like yes. I said, Ojolegbashita asked my sister. It was the first time that it wasn't about I'm going to blow up enough to come and live with you. It's like this is where it happens. Like yeah. this is in Nigeria. We are having our parties and mm. back room or like yeah. well, it wasn't intentional. The floor here. It wasn't intentional. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was subconscious, but it wasn't intentional. It was just it was something they could be proud of. And I think it started a wave of like kids coming down here from summer for shows and yes. events and like actually coming to experience the culture and going back crazy yes. ties to their homeland. Yes. Okay. Great, great, great stuff. I also just want to add, you know, in the third wave, Lagos to London, I think it was also in a prime position because at this point, you know, you had a lot of people who had been working in the background as well. The Ayoshunayas, the DJ Abbasis, the DJ Edus, you know, and who had done all that work in the background and it's 2011 and it's 
it it starts to show you know it's it's the larger days mm-hmm. it starts to show that okay people can actually take this genre seriously yes. I, let's I, start playlisting and putting all these records on radio these records were never on radio before yeah, shout out to everybody who booked down on BBC one extra man yeah. those were the fun those were that's when BBC I knew that one extra. when you know that oh but Nigerian music is not playing anymore just the fact that it's BBC one extra I don't even want to know that it's on BBC BBC one extra we out of here Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah. Um, joining me on, on this journey, discussing Whiskey Superstar. You know, due to popular demand, we would leave <laughs> the plane. Our best popular demand. You know, track, yeah. <laughs> for me, featuring one Oh, There you have it, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to a Music in Time podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review it as well. Don't forget to share with friends and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all the good links in the description below. And of course, follow us on all social media platforms. Thank you and catch you guys on the next episode.